Hello and welcome to Enough Said, the podcast brought to you live from Ithaca House. Independent New Muses Forum is the registered charity behind Enough Said and we provide mental health support services for carers, relatives, service users, survivors and professionals who work with people previously diagnosed with mental health issues who are also Newham-based residents. Our offices and services are open five days per week with a Monday to Thursday drop-in which also provides access to IT suites, garden areas and lifestyle activities and events to help people with their mental health recovery strategies. Today I am joined by our uh, comptroller extraordinaire, the unemployed artist otherwise known as at MKHINC and I'm also introducing you to our mainstay presenters Michael Ahan and Stephen Code. Hello. I'm your host Trevor Jones and before we get into our podcast i would like to know how has your week or last seven days been in and around london i'm fine thank you very much (laughs) any situations or things of interest to tell us about in the last week yeah um not i can think of offhand um i lost my keys but then I found them again. So I was going to say you're a man of many secrets, <laughs> but losing your keys is probably the most secretive thing you can do, even for yourself. Um, Michael, how about yourself? <coughs> it's been okay. Yeah. No big news stories, no. events, or activities to go on with. Okay. I mean, I've had a relatively interesting week um, in terms of football, the up and down of um, watching Liverpool lose and then watching one of our bigger rivals lose an even bigger and more important game and also um, having a look at uh, a few films like Black Panther and The Shape of Water so it's a good time to be going to the cinema right now and um, The Shape of Water is a very curious and delightful film and it's a good comeback for Guillermo del Toro and also um, it's been a bit strange uh, because in recent days uh, we've had the passing of the late great scientist Stephen Hawking. I thought you were say Jim Bowen. And also <laughs> the actual host of Bullseye as well, the late great um, look at what you could have won uh, Bullseye presenter Jim Bowen. So um, it was kind of interesting to see the contrast of those two people passing away on the same day. But um, speaking of um, what goes on in the media, because um, I was reliant on my Sky News to find out about that, um, we are also going to talk about a particular subject, which is how to improve on-screen depictions of mental illness. Uh, we could talk about mental health as well, but it's interesting that um, on-screen depictions of mental illness are not in a good place at the moment. And why do you think that is? Uh, why do you say they're not in a good place at the moment? Yeah, the, <laughs> men, the on-screen depictions of mental illness not being in a a good space at the moment. Why do you think that is? Well, sh- um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, why do you think that? Um, that's the topic of uh, <laughs> oh, conversation. Um, <laughs> so that's why I'm addressing. It. Oh, I thought you were just saying why, why. Yeah, um, so I'm saying it as a kind of uh, well, I, I think question. it's improved, surely. Do you think it's improved? Yeah, I see from that. where? I don't know. From um, I don't know the sixties and seventies when people with mental health issues were normally kind of violent or kind of 
murderous or and what kind of um, shows or or films are we talking about from the 60s and 70s um psycho okay the acclaimed uh feature film by alfred hitchcock yeah um what was the problem do you think with psycho i don't know if there's a problem but but in it, it there's a guy with um how do you diagnose Norman Bates like uh, I mean as an amateur detective I'll say he was was he schizophrenic no I wouldn't say he was schizophrenic he he had had double personality didn't he he had a personality of himself and his mother would that be bipolar disorder no I think it's more like a multiple personality disorder he had a multiple personality disorder yeah I think that's how you define it but obviously this drove him to um, murder yeah rather than um just running you know, a, a hotel. hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, he seemed to be doing okay running that hotel, that Bates Motel, until he got that first. Uh, uh, you, you didn't see the TV series, then, did you? Because but but, we, but we're, talk, we're going back to um, the uh, how things. Okay, well, this the 60s, is the, yeah. actually Psycho is a good example then because you got the original Psycho from 1961, yeah. the original film. Then you got his three yeah. lesser sequels. But then, yeah. of course, um, recently you've had the remake of the TV series yeah. Bates Motel, yeah. which has looked into, um, which has told the story again, but with a much more kind of, um, much well, more emphasis I, on the mental health. I can delve into the uh, mental health side of it. According to uh, script writing folklore, it says after a brief hospitalization for shock, uh, Norman Bates developed disassociative identity disorder, assuming his mother's personality to repress his awareness of her death. And to escape the feelings of guilt for murdering her. Also, it's um, um, Norman Bates' version of his mother is a much more is a much stricter, much more sexually repressed person than his act- his mother actually was. So, are we talking about Norman Bates, the TV show or the film? Um, I think you can say in the films and the TV series okay. that his mother is is a more it's a more sexual being than um, Norman actually makes her when he yeah. is in her persona. Okay. When Norman is in her persona, he's she's very strict. She's against sex. Yeah. Um, normally, when um when Norman becomes his mother is when yeah. he's sexually attracted to someone. Yeah. And this brings out his mother and the guilt feelings and his mother. He becomes his mother to to get rid of the uh, object of his affection. Yeah, and then we, so then you have the new the, the the recent TV series Bates Motel, which does actually explore um, Norman's psychiatric you know his his treatment his, his illness and his treatment. He actually okay. goes in and has treatment. He has a psychologist. So it's not just coming from left field. No, no, and yeah. so it's a much more kind of rounded, um, much more. Um, literate in in mental health issues than the original films would have been do you think uh the story of psycho would have worked if we had a bit more of the medical background of norman bates no (laughs) because the film's amazing and um because the it, film actually takes us on a twist and a turn from well, a bank robbery uh, yeah or an insurance clerk robbery gone wrong to a kind of uh, road movie it flips genres after yeah. about 25 minutes it flips genre from a crime thriller into a, don't give too much away a, for those who haven't seen it already well, it came out in 1961 i think spoilers are 
I mean, Michael. Cody's the long gun. What's your What's your opinion of uh, uh, mental health depictions in the news, media, and television? Have we come forward or moved forward from the sixties, or are we in the same quagmire with the problems as before? It depends on who's actually filming it. Yeah. And their understanding. Okay. Some can be kind of stereotyped. Stereotyped. Okay. Are we still seeing TV shows with stereotypes? I think we get, we, it's getting better. Okay, because there's actually a um, TV show which I think is on um, Netflix. And it's called... Um, I think it's called 13 Reasons Why. And it's a story about um, a young teenager called Clay, J- Clay Jensen. And he has a high school crush called Hannah and she decides to end her life uh, uh, tragically but the problem is uh, she's left some tapes behind and through listening to these tapes uh, the character he is assumed to understand the reasons why she committed suicide but it's kind of a skewed mystery drama uh that kind of is kind of a bubble come pop version of um mental health and depression which has got a lot of criticism do you think that show is helping making mental illness more accessible to younger audience having not seen it i don't know i can um <laughs> uh yeah i'm not i i, I wouldn't go say but is it is it t- i'm not i don't, I don't know I don't watch Netflix. Okay. But would it would a TV series which explores the idea of somebody who's found some cassette tapes uh, of somebody who's committed suicide, and then exploring the reasons why that person committed suicide, would that be a good story to tell? To I don't explore? see why it shouldn't be. Yeah. No. Really? Well, I mean, that's an interesting story. Yeah. But- I, I, Ain't that something happening in horror films where they, where they find lost tapes of like people's last, like the last broadcast where yeah. someone actually dies? Yeah. And they sort of, because VHS done that where people have died, but they've gone into a house and they found loads of tapes. Yeah. Is I it... think it's a new way of doing it. Yeah. But you just got to try and find a happy medium. In terms of like creating exposition. Where we don't exploit. In- exploit that person for killing them more when yeah. you want to be why they did it not just sort of the oh they did it and you get that some get that thrill out of that mm. part of it yeah i mean mental illness is um is more than suicide though isn't it i mean the suicide has been a taboo because it was uh i think 30 years ago 35 years ago it was still considered to be illegal practice um do you think there's do you think there's other ways of uh, what other ways could media be exploring mental illness? Well, I mean, uh, another TV show that does it very well, okay, is um, United States of Tara, okay, which stars Tony Collette as a woman who has multiple personalities, okay. So she has, so she's a normal um, bringing up two kids with a husband, mm. a housewife, but also. She becomes a fifteen-year-old teenager, yeah, uh, and she also has the personality of a 
30 year old trucker guy yeah and also a prim and proper 1950s proper like American housewife yeah and she she transitions between these personalities so how does that improve the depiction of mental illness because it, it shows how um, it's, it's a she's a central character when we see her struggles how she struggles to bring up a family how she struggles how she maintains her relationship with her husband and um you know, did all all the things she has to go through, and and she tries new treatments during the series. Yeah, she ends up with a, a psychiatrist played by Eddie Izzard, who doesn't believe that the um illness she has, she yeah. actually does have. She actually isn't it quite ironic. Eddie Izzard is playing a psychiatrist, considering he has oh, that the, different. He's I don't say say he's got multiple personality disorder, but, but he's a serial he, killer in Hannibal. You mean? Um, well, <laughs> I was thinking of it more in terms of like his stage presence and persona is about playing off the fact that he's very gender fluid and he's very comfortable oh, with that. Uh, yeah, uh, but he's, he's playing age. a character in the United States of Tara. Yeah. So. No, but I'm just... I'm just... Uh, well, no, what I'm saying he's is... himself. No, but what I'm saying is it's ironic that he's the psychiatrist for yeah. somebody with a multiple yeah, personality yeah, sure, disorders. Sure. Considering he was groundbreaking as a comedian with the gender yeah. fluid identity on stage. But um, I forgot he was in... Was he really in Hannibal, the TV series? Yeah, because Hannibal starts eating him. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it, but just eating him and keeping him alive. So he's at dinner with um, Eddie Azar, and Eddie Azar's now got. Is he the one who's got the face kind of half taken off and stuff like that? Okay. He just keeps eating him but keeping him alive and then having conversations. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I found um, the new series of Hannibal, um, probably, well, not the new series because it's not on anymore, but the latest series of Hannibal. I suppose quite visceral and disturbing. Baroque in is terms. the word I'd use. It's just very. Uh, way too much blood it's food and blood yeah and food and blood and uh, but do you think that is a more i mean it's a more graphic representation i think it's a more affecting representation of hannibal but is that improving the depiction of I, I, I don't I, I, I don't think there's much um we can take from hannibal if we're talking about mental health problems because i mean it's done in such a uh operatic over the top way it's but just... I think the story wasn't just about um, the Hannibal character and the criminal getting away with the murder it was also about the the toll it was taken on the investigative team particularly oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Will Graham's story yeah, yeah. and the fact that he was uh, very vulnerable from being exposed to yeah. that kind of um, field work so to speak but, but in, in Hannibal um, if Hannibal was the person with the mental health problem yeah. Then, I mean, but I think Will Graham does develop a mental oh, health yeah, problem he does, from he um, having to adopt the ideas and the mm. modus operandi of the serial killers. So, I felt maybe the the way they portrayed Mil- Will Graham as somebody who is no, adopted Will Graham kind of pers- respected Hannibal, didn't he? He kind of wanted yeah. to know him, but also was terrified. I mean, he was also. I mean, Hannibal really got into that guy's brain, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, do you think that was kind of fluid or or accurate? Do you think that was a kind of a fluid or accurate way to kind of explore how mental health is a, uh, let's say, a creeping, developing, all-encompassing yeah, situation? It, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a positive representation of um, mental yeah. health, but I, I don't think that's the point. Really. I don't think you can... You can throw that accusation at Hannibal and say, "Look, you haven't done what yeah. enough there well, to, the, to the, promote um, 
So um, is the question that we should be asking is improving depictions of mental health. Is Do we want to see accuracy or do we want to see po- more positivity? Well, I mean, you can say that about all films. Do you want to see, do you want to see accuracy in your films? Do you want, you know, say you're... Um, adapting or you're writing a script about say uh, something that actually happened mm. but you change bits of it yeah. because you know it'll work better on a screen mm. um, isn't is that do you have a responsibility to tell that that story truthfully you don't have a responsibility to, to tell mental health to, to, to tell um, to speak about or to show mental health problems I'm losing my train of thought here. Michael, <laughs> um, step in here. So pull pull uh, Stephen out of his um, uh, argument. Um, is it better to have, when it comes to improving uh, depictions of mental health in the media, television, film, TV, etc., is it better to have more positive characters who are affected by mental health or is it better to have more accurate char- accuracy about I what those characters are? I think you should have a bit here? of balance it out. Yeah. Balance it out more so you get a bit of. And how would you balance it out? You can more, but also. You could be truthful about it, but you also need to make it still look kind of realistic. And how would you be realistic? I don't know, just actually get someone who does have mental health issues to write something. Maybe that way you would be able, because that way they. You can sort of get them to say what they in that script they could they would un they may understand more how to maybe balance it. Someone who maybe have been has been through mental health mm. issues. Okay. And sort of getting someone who's sort of like looking at going I So should consultation come from the yeah, patients or the doctors? Um when making these kind of decisions to make these kind of shows. I think it would depend on the doctor. Yeah. Could you get some who's still got thinking old days, you know, like... So in terms of they can be subjective and probably compare and contrast yeah. treatments from the past to how people are treated yeah. today. Okay, so there's a range of options. There is out there, but it's just trying to figure a way which is the right one to use for that. So just to add to uh, the situation where we're talking about improving mental health depictions in uh, media, uh, Time to Change created a report a few years back uh, called The Film Report on Screening Madness, a Century of Negative Movie Stereotypes of Mental Illness. This was a a report uh, sponsored and funded by King's College London, Rethink and Mind, as well as National Lottery and Comic Relief. And they identified that there were four stereotypes of people with mental health problems in mainstream cinema. Uh, They were comedy, faking and indulgent, pity and violence. So under comedy you had uh, um, shows called Risk Cutters, A Love Story in 2006. Analyzed that in 2002 and Me, Myself and Irene in 2000. Where the comedy element was ridiculing the person with mental health issues. Uh, in terms of being faking and indulgent, we had a feature film called Happiness in 1998, Primal Fear in 1996, Hamlet in 1996 and 2000, as well as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1975. And I, I would say that the negatives here are that individuals in these stories are pretending to have mental health issues. Talking about Hamlet? Uh, Do you say Hamlet? 
Hamlet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it was a film in 1996 and 2000. I'm sure one of them may have had something to do with Mel Gibson. I'm not sure. Uh, but the the fake and indulgent, which is the idea that an individual can fake uh, having a mental health issue and get away with it, or being Easy overindulged. Suspect. Um, usual suspects does not come up on it. It, 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 it may it may come under the violent side. It, it's a idiot. But usual, usual suspects, I think. That's more of a disability. He, he, put, he fakes a disability. He fakes a disability. That's not faking a mental health. Yeah. No. Um, because he really was a psychopathic <laughs> killer. Um, which is not a reason or a symptom of being no. uh, mental health issues. But they did have the. If he was to explore as a mental health story, that would probably they would, it would probably more fit multiple. The multiple personality disorder even though he already oh. always knew he was pretending to be someone else uh, there's pity as well which is uh, like very very poor boy sort of thing and there's uh, films like What Dreams May Come in 1998 Shine in 1996 Mad Love in 1995 and um, again One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and 975 where having mental health issues means that character's only there to um, take yeah. or seek pity from others yeah, yeah. Um, and in violence there's a big massive wedge or films from 1949 up to 2005. So they, they, there's so many films with mental health and yeah, violence. Yeah, yeah. Aren't there any one film on there? Which one? The Idiots. The Idiots. It's kind uh, of like that's Lars von Trier. Yeah, when they pretend to be. Yeah, Lars von Trier's The Idiots would probably be under faking and indulgent. Yeah, but, but I, know, I don't I think they included it in this list. Yeah, but I know that that's about where they came to be mentally ill. So just a quick message to. Uh, they sort of have fun sort of to... taking a piss out so they can do whatever they want the people. Yeah, because it was about then, removing inhibitions, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's sort of. They can slap something but mm. I'm not well, and they're going to go, oh, that's okay. Yeah. So we'll uh, make that a note for uh, time to change that. If you actually redo this report, don't forget to include The Idiots by Lars von Trier, as suggested by Michael, and that film came out in... 1998. The violence, though, I mean, there's so many to go through from 1949 up to 2005 alone that um, they explore two different categories, which is psychosis as violence, which was Taxi Driver 1975, The Shine in 1980, Full Metal Jacket 1987, and Psycho Killer Films, which included The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974, which got remade five times, apparently, um, Silence of the Lambs in 1991 which spawned six sequels and remakes, and even a lesser-known film called Identity, 2003. And they've even put Scream in, in the violence side, more than the comedy side, because essentially, even though the characters were making fun of what was going on, they were addressing, like, a psycho killer in that film. Wasn't, it, wasn't Shaggy the psycho killer? In, in Scream? Yeah. I, I don't remember. That might have been two. Okay, I can't remember, but the um, but it's interesting how Scream gets into the Psycho Killer films, and it's not seen as a a comedy. But um, these this is where we are with films, and obviously this is films going back to more than a decade ago. So obviously there's a lot of ha that's happened in the last ten years. But um, you said you wanted to address something as well, Stephen. I just think that the depiction of mental health in TV will it and films will it improve because it's much more talked about now than it has been. It's much more discussed. Also, screenwriters, um, you know, people generally in the media, they are interested in other issues. And if you are a good writer, you should be doing your proper research, and you should be, you shouldn't have to make these um, uh, 
we're living in a world where, where it's easier to call something out and be yeah, more authentic yeah. and people are more informed now as yeah. well so filmmakers and writers just need to be more informed and do the research <coughs> much better so that and perhaps be uh, a little less lazy yeah, saying yeah. we're just going to use this character and put it into this story exactly. until it's finished and then we'll change it later yeah yeah but it's bound it's bound to happen as as uh as we evolve as we kind of as because mental health has become an important issue for the general public to discuss and and to be informed about and i can only see it getting better in the future i mean but could we potentially see us going back to the old mistakes with like new media and journalism where people haven't gone through the traditional roots of uh, writing copy for a, a local newspaper for a bigger newspaper than for a tabloid uh, and just going straight into online journalism is there a risk that we could uh, revisit some of the old mistakes because people kind of take shortcuts well, I suppose so yeah but you know I, I think generally as we go on um, depictions, depictions of people with mental health problems will become better better on screen and TV I haven't really cornished them <laughs> there's nothing that's Cornish no when I went better okay okay that's nice um, but um, uh, it, this uh, Time to Change article which was uh, written up or report that was written in 2009 um, they actually gave uh, three different tips and solutions um, because the report was supposed to seek and promote a more sophisticated representation of people with mental health and create something better than stereotypes that are being documented so number one uh, they said talk to people with mental health problems and learn from people not just the cinema stereotypes so like you said Michael uh, the consultation side very important yeah. um, mind your language was a number two um, check out the dictionary to see how psychotic means something very different from the term psychopathic and try people's first language a policeman with mental illness not a schizo a psycho or a natter. So the idea is address the character and not just label them. Address the character before you label them, it seems to be. Uh, but minding your language is very important. And the third one, what do you think the third uh, item might be? Um, abandon cliches, maybe? Okay, so why do you think cliches are important, Steve? Um, okay, or, or cliches are, well, cliches aren't important because mm. well, cliches are important because cliches there's a certain truth in cliches, else they mm. would not have become a cliche in the first place. Yeah. But also, we have to be minded that we're all individuals and that, yeah. that no, no one can we can't all be fitted into one square hole, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think shaped with holes. mental health, <laughs> it's probably more important to abandon the cliches because yeah. they haven't had this target group so to speak haven't had the chance to represent themselves yeah. and maybe we haven't seen enough of the range and scale of what a person with a mental health condition can be on screen apart from the negative areas of what we've seen with the fake the fake and indulgent pity comedy yeah. and the violence side and it's very hard to address complex experiences if you don't see past the stereotype as well which is probably what they're saying um, if you'd like to find out more about these articles, you can feel free to go online and Google search uh, www.timetochange.org film report screening madness. Uh, there's also an article by um, metro.co.uk under the title How to Improve On-Screen Depictions of Mental Illness. 
and even mind at www.mind.org.uk has a article called improving representations of mental health on tv so uh thank you for listening uh you've been hearing enough said and our hosts Stephen Coates cheers and Mike Wayhan see ya and big shout out for our comptroller um, MKH Inc and my name is Trevor I've been the host for today and if you'd like to know more about enough feel free to web search www.inuf.org and we are also available on Twitter via enough underscore the charity. That's at I-N-U-F underscore T-H-E-C-H-A-R-I-T-Y. Thank you very much.